Hey, if you believe every life change for Jesus is worth celebrating, can I hear from you right now? Can I hear from you? Yes. <laughs> that better never get old. I don't know if you were with us last week or not, but last week we got to experience 10 of those. And just in case you weren't with us last week, we think it's worth celebrating with you right now. So check out this video. Yeah, yeah, right there. That's why we do what we do. <clears throat> Incredibly cool seeing moms baptize daughters and dads baptizing sons, wives baptizing husbands. And so in case you're new to all this, you're not even sure, it's like, hey, why isn't the pastor doing that? We believe that any, anybody that's a follower of Jesus, that's a baptized follower themselves, uh, is available and should be ready to baptize anybody that they lead to Christ. And so uh, we were excited to be able to experience that with you last week. And for those of you that have made that step, uh, that's just one more step. It's not the last step. It's just one more step in your journey to continue to become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, um, we have been in this series over the last three weeks leading up to where we're at today called The Gospel, and I told you last week that we're going to do what we call, and we've never done this before, but a continuation series. And so today we begin a two-week series called The Whole in Our Gospel. And what you just experienced by watching you know, those baptisms, specifically on the screen, was in the culmination at being and getting to the end of the series, The Gospel. Now, I need to let you know that as we start today, I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm really pumped and I'm excited uh, for the challenge that I'm going to put in front of us as a church. And so in order for this to happen and in order for this challenge to um, have the most meaning, and it, truly when I say this, I mean it this way, to have the most power behind it, I need you to do something for me right now. Uh, what I need you to do is to fill out the card that you received. Uh, actually, you didn't receive it. You just saw it. It was sitting on your seat uh, when you came in. And on that card, if you've not already seen it, it says, if God could answer one prayer for me, what would it be? Can I ask it differently? Everybody look up to me really quick. If God could show up in one area in your life right now, if he could show up, where would you need him to show up? And what I need you to do is I need you to fill this out, and this is the one that I got from last service, but if you would fill this out, and then at the bottom, don't put your name, nobody's going to know who you are, but at the bottom of your prayer request, whatever you write out, I want you to put your phone number. And then I'm going to give you like two minutes to do this, so go ahead and take the time, write this out, and then the ushers are going to pass some buckets, and we're going to take these up. And again, if you don't do this, you're going to screw everything up for everybody else this morning, so just let the pressure be there. So I really do need everybody to follow through on this. Again, nobody's going to know what you wrote. And so write it down, and then a bucket's going to be passed, and you're going to drop those in those buckets. Go ahead and do that. There. Thank you guys for doing that. I'm going to keep going here because we've got a lot of stuff that we need to cover. Uh, if you were here over the past three weeks when we were in the series, The Gospel, you know that there were three primary areas that we kind of talked about when it came to uh, like what, what that looks like in our lives. And so we talked about the importance of studying the gospel, the importance of showing the gospel, and specifically through that three-week series, we talked about the importance of sharing the gospel because one of the things that the gospel was never meant to be was a secret. And so we put a tool in your hand to help you if, you, if God ever gives you an opportunity, if he sets up a divine appointment for you to be able to share the good news of Jesus, that you had an illustration in your hands. If you missed that series, I encourage you to go back and watch that on our YouTube channel. You can always go back and catch up on our previous sermons that way. But I want to let you know that over the next couple of weeks, uh, instead of studying it, instead of sharing it, we're going to focus more on showing it. Because a big part of the gospel in our lives is about how we live it out. And specifically in how we love others. And when that doesn't happen, there's a hole in our gospel. And personally, I believe that when we approach the gospel, it should be from a holistic perspective. In other words, yes, it should be informational. And yes, it should be transformational. But I believe that also a big part of the gospel is relational. In other words, it's not just about what we learn. It's about how we live. And even more important than that, it's about how we love others. 
I think Jesus made this abundantly clear when he was asked, hey, what's the most important thing? Like, if we're going to follow you, Jesus, what's the most important thing that we're supposed to do? And he says, okay, I want you to love God. Like, I want you to love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But the second is like it. So hold on, I'm not done yet. The second is like it because you also need to love your neighbor. In other words, you need to love those that are in your proximity. We need to love people. And sometimes the way that we have paraphrased that statement from Jesus is love God, love people. But I think the better way and the more accurate way to say that based on where Jesus is is taking us is that we love God by loving people. We don't love God and just love people. We actually love God by loving people. I think John was also abundantly clear when he wrote on the subject in 1 John chapter 4. He said, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. But this is where it can become subjective, right? I mean, God's love can become subjective. I mean, we all may have some different opinions on what God's love looks like. Last week, I introduced us to this principle bit. But I think, and I talked about how if we're not careful, we have a tendency sometimes to read God's word and to learn something that we know is the truth of God, but then on the other end of it, we find ourselves saying, but, but, but I think. And it's as if we're putting ourselves at par with God, and we've got to be really careful that we don't do this. And this is where subjectivity comes into our faith, and we start to make faith something to be never what it was supposed to be, and we do this with God's love as well. But I think, maybe for some people, they would think, hey, by showing God's love, we shouldn't celebrate Halloween. Maybe that's where they're at. Maybe showing God's love to them is by letting people be like, hey, just do whatever you feel is right. Like, if it feels right to you, then that must be right for you. Maybe some people feel like loving God and showing God's love is by eating Chick-fil-A instead of Popeye's, right? We eat the Lord's chicken around here, right? (laughs) Several years ago, I was at a uh, church planting conference um, again, big heart for church plant. We're always going to be a church planting church. And I was at this church planting conference, and I was, it was one of the breakout sessions, and I was kind of in this forum. And they were sharing different stories about different church plants. And one actually kind of came up about Colorado. And the story was that a family that didn't live in Colorado, so they didn't know much about the state, actually moved into the state of Colorado, specifically in the Fort Collins area. And they decided that a big part of how they were going to start their church was going to be through outreach efforts, which I think is very admirable. And so they got a trailer, much like the trailer that we have outside, and uh, they had church colors. I don't know if you've kind of picked up on this, but like churches now have kind of a brand and they have a color scheme. Ours is green and black and gray and white. And so part of their color scheme was the color green. And so on the side of the trailer, they decided to put a green cross. And right beside it, they put, come grow with us. This is the story that was told to me. Whether it's true, I have no idea, but it was told as if it was true. I I guess that could be one way we could show God's love, right, if it's that subjective. But I think. But I think. What do you think? Thankfully for us, we don't need to bit. We don't need to think too hard on this subject because Jesus, he makes it abundantly clear. He gives us tangible examples of what it looks like to show the love of God. In our lives. Let me show you what he says in Matthew chapter 25. 
When the Son of Man, which is himself, comes in his glory, so the second coming, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Don't miss this next part. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me some clothes. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. How do we love God? By loving people. How do we love people? Oftentimes it's by helping those who can't help themselves, which is why Jesus made such a big deal about this and why he uses the language that he uses because it is strong language because he understands that oftentimes our help, our help, it points to hope. And if you've ever been in one of those seasons in your life or just even in a situation or the circumstances around you left you in a desperate situation where you could not control it, there was nothing that you could do, but you were on the other end of someone helping you in a desperate time, you know how true this statement is. Several years ago, I was a sophomore in college, and uh, it was about three hours, I was down, down in southern Kentucky at a little college, and about three hours away from where my family was, and so I met a family when I was down there, and they allowed me to live with them. And some of you know my story, so this is not going to come at, at a surprise to you, but one night, um, I decided to go out and make some foolish decisions, and Ended up drinking more than I needed to and got behind the wheel of a car and ended up with my second DUI. And because of that, I ended up in jail for a couple of days. And after I got out, I came back to where I was staying and I wanted to be honest with them because I'd been gone for a couple of days and I wanted to be honest with them and so I told them what had happened. And they decided it was in their best interest to kick me out. And so at that point, I was homeless. I wasn't sleeping in my car or anything. I was kind of bouncing around to people's homes that would, or friends that I had with, you know, apartments or whatever, sleeping on couches. And then I had a friend that was going to college with me that kind of learned of my situation. And he said, hey, man, my family's got this kind of little cabin, little shack of a place uh, up in the middle of a peach orchard out in the, the boondocks of Kentucky. Um, he said, we'd be willing to let you stay there if you'd go and fix up some things because it needs a little bit of work. And I'm like, great, you know, that'd be great. And their family became like my family, and I ended up sharing many meals with them. I'd come to their house when I was in town, and uh, man, that's a, that's a moment I'll never forget because they extended hope to me when life was hurting, when I needed some help. Now, I haven't seen or talked to that particular friend that was in college with me for 15 years, but can I show you something that happened here recently that allowed this story to become full circle, and I love how God does this. He uh, commented on one of my sermons and, on Facebook, and uh, I hadn't heard from him in a long time, but I want to read to you what he said. He said, I remember you as a 19-year-old man convicted with the Lord and the knowledge that his past failures were not going to define his life. Every time I see one of your messages, it makes me smile. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing someone do what they were called to do. And he's gone on to reach out to me in other ways to let him know how 
my sermons that get captured and put online have been a source of hope for him. Hope has a tendency to go come in full circle when we make ourselves available. But I also want to show you how this family who kicked me out and this family who kind of set me aside, I want to show you how that has also done something beneficial for me. Because it was experiences like that and people kind of giving up on me and setting me aside that created within me this feeling, this deep-seated feeling to want to become a catalyst of hope when others were in need of help. Young punks like me 20 years ago, who, yes, were making some stupid decisions, but needed somebody to just extend some hope to them in times of need. Have any of the rest of you realized or figured out yet that God often uses our mistakes to motivate us? So last year at this time, I um, had a young man reach out to me that I used to coach and teach. Some of you guys didn't know I was a teacher. I was actually a school teacher for three years. Can we give it up for the teachers in the room this morning? <clears throat> I had a young man reach out to me that I coached and I, I taught him, and um, he made some bad decisions. Good, good young man, great athlete. He made some really bad decisions. And because of those bad decisions, it landed him in jail for several months. And I corresponded with him while he was in jail a little bit and even wrote a letter to the judge to ask for, for leniency. And when he got out of jail, he reached out to me and let me know that he felt hopeless. A lot of people had set him aside, given up on him, and that he was stuck. He didn't know what to do next. And so I said, man, jump on a plane. If you can afford it, jump on a plane and come out and just spend some time with me and stay in my basement. And so he came out and he did that. And that was a year ago to this day. And so when he was out here, he got to experience something that we're going to get to experience this coming Saturday. He got to be a part of our food packing event, this annual event that we are now putting on here at our church. And so here's a picture of him right here. And I really appreciate many of you who took the time to have conversations with him because it wasn't just his experience spending time with me and my family. It was his experience spending time with our church that reminded him that there's hope. And even while he was a part of this event, he was reminded that despite his hurts, habits, and hang-ups, that he could still help. And sometimes, despite our situation and despite our circumstances, when we can lose sight of ourselves and remember that we can still offer help, because on the other end of our help, it will point to hope, sometimes it helps us to lose sight of our situation, remember that we still have the opportunity to help change others' lives, if we'll just be available. And so he, st he stuck around all morning long and helped. We usually do this in three different shifts, and he helped in every single shift. And while we're on the subject, I want to remind you that this event is coming up this Saturday. And I think you may be out of luck, because I talked about this last service as well. I think all of the serving spots are now filled. And so if you didn't sign up, that sucks for you. And so... Um, <laughs> Uh, but we had 150 serving slots, and so as this continues to grow, I really do imagine this. If I can just cast some vision for you really quick, I imagine this entire room being emptied out with its chairs and our whole church coming in here to pack meals for people who need it the most. And so I want to encourage you that if you haven't been a part of that event in the past, maybe you can look, maybe somebody will drop out, maybe you can still find your way in. Because friends, our help, listen to me, our help, it points to hope. Church, I'm not going to lie. When I look back at that statement right there, and if you don't know what I'm pointing at, feel free to turn around and look. It's as you leave the doors every single week, we want, you to remind, we want to remind you that you're on mission with us to leave a trace of God's love everywhere 
we go. And when I see you live that out, the pain that comes with this position at times, it makes it all worth it. When I see you showing up and packing meals and cleaning up schools and renovating teachers' lounges and loving on families that were displaced by hurricanes, when I see small groups, entire small groups, visiting hospital rooms because of tragic accidents and people setting up meal chains for new moms, and when I see Christian, when I, I'm sorry, when I see you throwing Christmas parties for foster kids and going without so others can go with, it reminds me that all of this is worth it. Because on the other end of your help, on the other end of every one of those situations that I just communicated, you are pointing people to hope. And that's what I envisioned when I sat down about five years ago to write out an idea, a plan for a church, if I were to plan it. A plan for a church that would be called Trace. And I thought long and hard about what we should be about because God doesn't need more people pretending to be spiritual superstars. There's enough Pharisees out there already. Listen to me, he just needs us to show up. He just needs us to be available and to show his love and to extend hope when life hurts, to leverage every ounce of influence that we have in our lives, to remind people that hope is for everyone, which means when it comes to the hope that we have in Jesus, no one should get overlooked. But you know as well as I do, sometimes some people do. And Jesus actually got to see this firsthand. There was a time in the Gospels where we see him being invited to a Pharisee's house for a party. It could have been a dinner, banquet, something like that. And when he's there, he notices that the spiritual superstars in the room are kind of the somebodies. And there are special places for them to sit in the room. And Jesus sees this, and I don't think he likes what he sees, and so he decides to speak up. We see this in Luke 14. He speaks up. He says this. He says, he turned to his host, which would have been a Pharisee. He says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet or when you throw a party, he said, don't, don't just invite your friends, your brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those that could not repay you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at someone's house, a dinner, somewhere you were invited, but even though you were invited, you felt overlooked? You felt dismissed? Let me talk to the heathens in the room. Have you ever been to a nightclub and your name wasn't on the list, right? Yeah, I've been there. You see, I think at some point in all of our lives, we've likely all been in a situation where we felt like a nobody. And that's why I want to remind you this morning that everybody Everybody is somebody to God. I want you to meet my brother-in-law. This is Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy has special needs. And I love this guy, but he's had a tough life. And he's endured some things that no human being should ever have to go through. And many years ago, when Emily and I were a part of a church in uh, Kentucky, they threw what they called a Jesus prom. And the only people that could come to this Jesus prom were people like Jeremy. And so Emily and I signed up, and we got Jeremy a tux, and we brought him to this party. And that night, we danced and we celebrated with about 600 guests, 600 people with special needs, and we treated them like royalty. You know why? 
Because in God's eyes, that's what they are. And that was a moment for me where I was reminded that Jesus likes to, pay, Jesus likes to make people who feel like nobodies, he likes to remind them that they are somebody. Because everybody is somebody to God. I'm really excited to tell you that in a few weeks we're going to do something uh, called a Jesus party. Because Jesus said, if you go back and read that passage, he didn't say, hey, if you throw a party, he says, when you do. I want you to invite people like Jeremy. And so in a few weeks, on December 13th, <clears throat> excuse me, Friday the 13th, we're going to throw a Jesus party. And we're going to invite people with special needs that are 16 years old and younger to come, and it's going to be a part of our Joy Bomb series that we're going to be in throughout the month of December. we got a lot of things planned, so church, just be ready when I say this. Like, be ready to get involved. Be ready to uh, extend hope when life hurts, because we're going to throw some Joy Bombs in the city, and we need your help. But specifically on this one, we're going to need you to sign up soon. If you want to be a part of throwing a Jesus party and reminding people that sometimes feel like nobodies, that they're somebody, uh, we need you to sign up in the next couple weeks, because as you can imagine... Um, we need some training, and so once we get everybody signed up who wants to help, we'll go through kind of a training night before we invite our guests to come and just throw a joy bomb Jesus party for them. Sound good? Trace, may we always be a place, listen to me, may we always be a place where people who feel they're a nobody can be reminded that they are a somebody. Because as followers of Jesus, it's our responsibility. We are the somebodies that are supposed to Look out for the people who feel like they are nobodies because everybody is somebody to God. Can we help everyone? No. Would it be wise for us to try to help every single homeless person standing on the side of the street begging for money? No, I don't even think that would be wise. But what if we did for one? Just one. What we wish we could do for everyone. Because maybe you're that one in here today. Maybe you're the person that feels forgotten. Maybe you're the person that feels overlooked. Maybe you feel like a nobody. And maybe Jesus was thinking of people like you and me when he decided to make a very clear statement in Matthew 25. And he said, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, I needed help, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, didn't have a place to live, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. You helped me. I was in prison and you visited me. You helped me. And jump down to verse 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Why did Jesus speak so strongly on this subject? Because he knows that everybody is somebody to God. And hope, it's for everyone. And our help often points people to hope. So the question is, are you available? Are we available? I'm going to lead us <clears throat> into a time of response right now. And I'll tell you something that you probably don't know, you probably don't think about, and not that you should. But I think long and hard and pray a lot about how we can take biblical principles like what I just taught you and solidify them, like through creative and innovative ways, like how can we solidify those in your life to make you want to follow through on them? Because if we're just in here playing church, we're not going to make much of a difference. And so what I'm about to describe to you is something that I've been wanting to do for the last year. But what I've learned is that even though I think it's a good idea, sometimes you need to wait. And so we've been waiting. 
And church, I think we're ready for the challenge that I'm about to put in front of us, and it's not going to be easy. What I want to challenge us to do over the course of this week between Monday and Friday is I want to challenge us to do a fast together. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is eat nothing but beans and rice, very similar to the meals that we're going to be packing on Saturday. And I don't know if you know this, but that's what the majority of the world lives off of. Uh, The majority of the world, think about it, the majority of the world lives off less than $5 a day, and most of them eat the very same kind of food that we'll be packing together. And let me just share this with you. We're going to be packing over 50,000 meals on Saturday. And so one of the things that I'd like for you to pray about when we do this fast together is pray that those meals would go to the mouths that need them the most. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't have, I mean, they don't have even the basic necessities of life. And you'd be surprised how many people are falling on their face every single day just praying for God to provide a meal, a meal. And so I want to encourage us to go through this fast together. Now, I know this is probably going to be an incredibly new concept for most of you. And so let me describe to you why we would even do this and what is a fast. And so a fast is giving up something. Specifically, when we read through the Gospels, we see people giving up food. And what that reminds us of, when we give up food, it reminds us that God is our sustainer. Don't we focus too much on food sometimes? Anybody admit that they focus too much on food? Like, where are we going to go eat lunch today? Where are we having dinner? Anybody got in a fight with their spouse about where are they going to go eat dinner? Yeah. We focus a lot on food, and so a fast reminds us that God is the one who sustains us. God is our provider. And so over the course of this week, Monday through Friday, I want you to eat beans and rice. And every time that you want something else, this is another thing that a fast does for you. There's going to be a time where you want a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And that's going to remind you to pray. Pray that those meals go to the mouths that need them the most. Another reason we fast is because it reminds us to seek the Lord in deeper and more meaningful ways on behalf of something that we want to see God show up in. And I'm going to take us a little bit deeper in this exercise. Because what we're going to do is we're going to hand out one of those prayer requests back out to you. And every time you want to drink something other than water, I don't know if I mentioned that, we're only going to drink water this week out of this cup. And anytime you want anything other than water, and on this cup it actually says the verse that we just read, Matthew 25, 35 through 36. So it's going to remind you of the passage that we just studied together. And anytime you want something other than water, anytime you want something more than just beans and rice, it's going to remind you to pray for the person's card that you're getting ready to receive. And then you're going to send them a text message. I just prayed for you. And I hope you send it to, I hope, I hope phones are blowing up all week. I hope you, I hope people are getting in trouble at work because you're texting them so often because you're praying for them. Every time that's like, oh man, I'd like to have something other than beans and rice right now, I'm going to say a prayer for them. And you text them, hey, I just pray for you. And you don't need to leave it. You don't need any names. It doesn't have to do that, but we're going to pray. Now, let me take this even a layer deeper. There's something that happens in Mark chapter 9 that I want to point to. Because some of you may be like, do we, we could do this without giving up food. Why are we really having to give up food? Let me show you something. There was a situation where um, some of Jesus' disciples were trying to cast out demons. Stay with me. I promise you I'm taking you somewhere. And they were try- trying to cast out demons, but they couldn't. And so they come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, we can't. Like, this one won't come out. And so Jesus goes, and he actually casts out this demon in this young boy. And then they come to him later, and they say, like, hey, why couldn't we do it? Like, what, what, why can't we do it? And Jesus' answer is very telling. He says, this kind can come out, <clears throat> excuse me, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. 
In other words, there's power. I don't, I don't pretend to have it all figured out, but based on the words of Jesus that I spend my life searching and learning and studying, based on what Jesus j- just said, there's power when we pray and fast together. And so by doing this this week, if it offers any more power to the prayer that we're sending to the people that you're going to pick up a card for today, is it worth it? I say yes. And so I'm going to give up something today. I'm going to go without. I'm going to go without this week so others can go with. And so I want to invite us into this together. And church, I truly believe that there's going to be a power that fills us this week that Maybe something that you've never experienced before. And I believe that there's a potential. Again, you wrote this down. Where do you want God to show up the most for you right now? Somebody, I filled mine out last service. Somebody has my card. Where do you want God to show up the most for you right now? Yes, I think I can go without. If it adds any kind of power to my prayer to give up some food and only eat beans and rice this week, so that this, and this is the, the card I picked up, so this person could find some victory in this request done. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray for us, and during this response time, I'm going to invite you to go over to these tables where those of you that have been coming for a while, you know this, that there's communion. There's a cracker that represents the body of Christ and a cup of juice that represents his blood, and we remember the sacrifice that he gave on our behalf so that we could experience his saving grace, that we could experience his power. There's also some Buckets on those tables, if you've come prepared to give today, uh, I would encourage you to bring your offering at that time. And can I just give you a heads up on something? Um, that Jesus party that we're going to throw, we're going to use the dollar club that we talked about several months ago that we were putting together. We're going to use the dollar club fun- funds to throw that party. Last month, uh, we were $2,000 below budget. And so if everybody would commit to bringing that extra dollar every week, and if you would begin to start investing uh, in Trace Church, we can continue to do things like throwing Jesus parties. But we were under budget, just so you know, last week. And so we really are relying on you to bring uh, your offerings, and specifically that extra dollar. So, but as you go to these tables, somebody's going to hand you one of these cups. And then when you come back and sit, I'm going to have Ross and Abby lead us through one more song. And as they do, and as you make your way back to your seats, a bucket's going to be passed in front of you, and you're going to you're going to pick out one of these cards. And my hope is that our church is filled this entire week through prayers being tossed back and forth for one another and that there's a power that we feel because of our willingness to make a sacrifice together. I think this is how churches grow together. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to go to these tables, grab one of these cups, and then however else you want to respond, whether you want to go back and write a prayer request, That's between you and God. Let me pray for us. Father, God, I pray that this is something that we would take seriously. God, I pray that this is something that we would be reminded of, that it's not spiritual performance. This is not about us trying to feel really spiritual because we're going without food or doing a fast, God, but this is something that we are doing with a posture of wanting to receive more power from you and specifically wanting to see your power show up in the lives of other people, that we would maybe lose sight of, our, of ourself this week and that we would lose sight of our own situation because we're thinking so much <clears throat> about someone else's situation. And so, Father, I pray that throughout this week that people would be encouraged that after, after, as they receive text message after text message of somebody going to you on their behalf. 
And so, Father, I pray that this is a moment, this is just one of those times that becomes just a sweet, a sweet moment for our church that we all look back on with fondness. And as we approach Saturday and we come together to put together over 50,000 meals, that as we go without food this week, that we're also reminded that there are mouths around the world that need these meals more than others. And so, Father, I pray that you would just continue to grow our empathy in that as well. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Feel free to respond.